Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630, WLAP, the home of the cats. If it's a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, we'll be talking about it right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This edition of the show, we're going to be talking about a lot of different things. A little basketball recruiting, little football news from the schedule standpoint. Um, we're going to dive into the new NCAA rule as it has to do um, with agents. And the NCAA doesn't look good. And then probably a quick note on the USA basketball camp. But let's start out with some really super positive news. We talked about it the other day, the fact that Mark Stoops said that Josh Pascoe would be taking his last treatment from his cancer uh, this month, and it was today. Pascoe himself posted on Twitter a picture of him uh, in one of the chairs getting his treatment, and then with a nice note, he said, I'm excited to announce that today was my last immunotherapy treatment for melanoma. I have a lot of people to thank. First, I want to thank my Lord and Savior for guiding me through this difficult time. My faith has only become stronger. I want to thank my family and girlfriend for being there every step of the way and never missing a treatment. I would like to thank my family and brothers from back home for continually supporting me. I want to thank the surgeons, doctors, and nurses at UK Markey Cancer Center for taking good care of me. Lastly, to the athletic trainers, my teammates, my coaches, and everyone in the BBN Thank you for supporting for me, praying for me, and getting me back to 100%. I can't wait for what God has in store for me next. See you this fall. Obviously, Josh Paschal, a supreme talent from the first time he stepped onto the field, his freshman season, when he made that monster hit in that game, tons of potential. This season, he's moving back to that outside linebacker position, I will remind you guys that one thing Mark said during the spring is that Pascal is, um, in addition to dealing with the cancer treatments, there was also a surgery on his foot to repair that skin cancer spot. And if you saw any of the videos that were put out for him and on him, kind of documenting his progress, it was a pretty extensive surgery involving skin grafts and a lot of different things and a lot of healing time. So he's also coming back from a surgery on his foot. You have to keep that in mind as well. Stoops said this spring that it's a situation where he was getting a little frustrated. He wasn't be wasn't able to be as explosive as he had been in the past because obviously you have to push off your foot there, and he had a surgery there. So he's, he's still on a battle to get back to 100%, I think, but he's getting closer and closer. And as we noted, in the open practice, he was running with the ones out there in that Jack linebacker position, stepping in for where uh, Josh Allen left. So I think everyone is excited to see him on the field. Uh, they'd be excited if it was if he wasn't able to produce at all. Just seeing him back on the field and getting through this cancer treatment is obviously such a big deal. But I think that there is definitely a ton of tackles in his future, and I'm excited to see how Brad White, as the new D.C., and still the outside linebackers coach, how... Pascal is fully utilized. I think he's obviously different than Josh Allen. I don't know if he'll be able to do the same things in the in the pass defense aspect because if you watch, Josh Allen was really good in in breaking up some passes last year. But uh, I you can't you can't count him out. And so that's that's something that's awesome news, and we wanted to share at the top of this podcast. The other football note is that the 2020. SEC schedule was released today. 
Kentucky's, of course, part of that. I think mo- we knew most of these games, but I'll roll through them next year. This is next year, guys. So 2020. So this is for your your calendars going forward. Kentucky, of course, is starting with Eastern Michigan on September 5th. Then they travel to Florida, come back home and play Kent State the week after Kent State. They're home again against South Carolina. Then October 3rd, they meet their cross-division rotating game, which will be at Auburn next year, at Auburn on October 3rd. Uh, So if you're looking to try to check some of those opposing road venues out, that's a good chance to go check out at Auburn. Uh, The next week, October 10th, they're going to be facing off against Eastern Illinois. Then Vanderbilt on October 17th. October 24th will be at Missouri. On the 31st, they have a bye. Then November 7th at Tennessee. November 14th, Mississippi State. Georgia, November 21st. And then, of course, you wrap up at Louisville. A couple of things, obviously, that stick out is that at Auburn game. That'll be the opponent they'll be facing. Auburn, obviously, is always... Always a big time opponent in the SEC. I remember that, you know, Gus Malzong is up there at SEC Media Days. He went after Mark Stoops, and uh, someone asked him about the fact that it seems like his job is always in flux. If they're not winning a national championship or at least in contention, he's on the quote unquote hot seat. And he said that it's one of those deals where he likes that kind of pressure. He would prefer to be in a situation like he is at Auburn. Where if he's not winning, people are calling for his job, then being on the flip side and people and fans accepting mediocrity. So uh, that'll be a really fun game, I think. The other things, you know, the out of, out of conference and kind of the way things stack up here, it looks like the, the Florida game being early again. And it, it seems like all the, a lot of the kind of, you know, easier games are front loaded to a certain extent. There will be kind of a, it could be a situation where that'll be tough sledding at the end of the season. You're going at Tennessee, then Mississippi State, then Georgia. But overall, I think it's pretty balanced. You know, you start out with the Eastern Michigan, a team that you think you should be able to beat to kind of get a warm up. Then you do have to travel at Florida. That's a tough second game. But coming back home um, and facing off against Kent State, uh, to kind of maybe uh, get your legs back under you. And then, then of course, another conference opponent in South Carolina the next week who potentially Kentucky could be going out <laughs> for their seventh straight win um, against the Gamecocks um, and then Auburn. So, you know, little, obviously, in, when you're in the SEC, there's these little tough pockets. But, you know, it, there is a situation where after you go to at Auburn, Eastern Illinois, Vanderbilt, and then at Missouri, games that you think you should be able to win. So, like I said, I think overall really balanced schedule next year for UK. And it's tough to project, obviously, because we're all with all the way a year out. So we don't know 100% at this point. Um, but it looks like another another path to a really good bowl game, uh, depending on how things shake out for Kentucky and how things shake out for all of their opponents. Coming up next, let's dive into this quote-unquote, Rich Paul rule. The NCAA kind of stuck his foot in his mouth again, which isn't surprising, but the lack of awareness is just mind-blowing sometimes. But before that, check this out. You are Locked On Kentucky, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So the NCAA 
you most people are aware about this this new system. It was all a all a buzz and it was trending as I said before the break, the Rich Paul rule, and that mainly got trending because of LeBron James tweeting about it. He wasn't tweeting about Taco Tuesday. He was tweeting about the Rich Paul rule and why it is being called the Rich Paul rule and it is uh, a rule that is being put in place by the NCAA to kind of certify, you can't see me right now, but I'm using air quotes, certify agents to represent potential players who are considering coming back for another year of college. So I'll lay out um, what is being set up. And this is all uh, uh, via ESPN. Uh, John Rothstein, uh, I think, broke it on Twitter of CBS Sports, I believe is where he's with. So a lot of people uh, have kind of discussed this story. There's been columns from Dan Wetzel of Yahoo, which I'll kind of reference. And then uh, also a a piece by Sam Vecini, Kyle's colleague at The Athletic on this as well, who talked to some agents about it. And I'll, I'll share some of those things as well. I do suggest you read that entire piece because it kind of gives you a window into how the agents are viewing this. But why this is um, being called the quote-unquote Rich Paul rule is because uh, the criteria for these agents now is you have to have a bachelor's degree. Rich Paul does not have a college degree, and he is one of the most powerful agents in the NBA, uh, representing LeBron James, representing Anthony Davis, and a large clientele as well. Um, and so it, it's kind of silly that in theory, one of the most high-profile agents in all of the NBA can't represent a borderline college prospect. That doesn't make any sense. There are also there are other requirements. Um, you have to be an NBA NBPA. That's the NBA Players Association uh, certification for at least three seasons, three consecutive years, not just three three years of experience, three consecutive years. You have to have professional liability insurance and completion of an in-person exam. Taken at the NCAA office in Indianapolis, I believe the date, it's it's November 6th, but it's early in November. That's kind of (laughs) silly. They're going to have all these, can you imagine, and you know, this is all, there's varying degrees on which agents would in theory do this, but some of these agents (laughs) are probably richer than some of these guys that are going to be players in the pros. They're not going to go to the go to Indy and, and take this test and, and be drilled. It, it doesn't make any sense for them. Um, and the other thing that is obvious, that is like making people kind of scratch their head is it, here's the quote from the memo that uh, was obtained. It said, agents are also required to agree that they will cooperate with the NCAA in investigations of rule violations, even if the alleged violations are unrelated to their NCAA agent certification. I guess that means they're going to tattletale, which is silly and something that they would never do if it would hurt with another potential client in the future. And in theory, all basketball players are potential clients in the future. And so you're never going to kind of poison a well you might want to draw water from later. It's just, just a silly scenario um, so now, you know, you read all those qualifications. You got to have the bachelor's degree. You got to be uh, certified for at least three consecutive years. You got to have your insurance. You got to take an exam. And then you ask, 
well, how are they going to enforce this? Like, what's what's the penalty here? Enforcement of this rule would work by not allowing players who are being represented by non-NCAA certified agents to return to school, even if they pull their names out of the draft prior to the league's deadline. So, scenario, I'll just use a, a UK guy, PJ Washington, after his freshman year. If he was being represented, helped along by a non-NCAA certified agent while after his freshman year and then decided that he wanted to come back to college, the NCAA would say, no, you were um, taking advice, taking counsel from somebody who we don't trust, so you can't come back to college. You have to go be pro now. That doesn't make any sense. None of this makes any sense. Somehow, in theory, that being able to pass a test, earning a bachelor's degree, and being certified for three seasons, that's going to make you more ethical? Does the NCAA have no idea what happens in the N- NBA? I feel like every day on Sports Center, every day on uh, the the jump on ESPN, the, the show that talks about the NBA specifically, if you listen to any NBA podcast, the topic of tampering is constantly brought up and constantly ignored. So you somehow expect these guys, these agents, these players to follow your rules when, they, when they're not even going to be representing the players in your league? That doesn't make any sense. This isn't going to work. And in theory, it would also drive these guys, these these people who don't make, meet these qualifications, who aren't fit to your standards, they're going to be driven underground. And when you're underground, it's probably even more likely that things that are against the rules would happen. I will say that overall, this is kind of a small pool of players that we're really even talking about. A lot of guys test the water. Some just do it to get a feel for the NBA and really have no thoughts about uh, about going pro in that specific season. But there are some instances. But it isn't that frequent. Most of the time, guys made their mind up. I mean, just look at Tyler Hero and Keldon Johnson. Both of those guys were saying they were testing the waters. A week or two later, they're like, okay, we're all the way gone. They they had kind of they kind of knew what was going to happen when they initially put the name in. So this isn't going to impact a ton of people overall, really. But it is a massive PR hit for the NCAA, and now they're becoming a laughing stock again to a certain extent. LeBron James kind of mocking them, um, talking about how uh, you know clipping out articles and you know making it uh, trending on Twitter to kind of point and say this is silly, and obviously LeBron uh, going straight to the pros from high school probably takes offense that somehow a, a a bachelor's degree signifies that you're capable of doing a job in basketball. That that obviously isn't the case. And it obviously isn't the case with Rich Paul. You There are probably people who don't think he's a good agent. Um, but if you want to look at the guy who, the former Kentucky player, in um, Anthony Davis, Paul did it. You know, in a way that people don't like, some people don't like, but he got Anthony Davis to the Lakers. That's where Anthony Davis wanted to go. He accomplished that for his client. He's very powerful, obviously, and has a lot going for him. The other aspect of this 
that Sam Vecini pointed out, the agents are calling them hypocritical, the NCAA that is, because the NCAA is asking for a $250 application fee that covers in part your background check. Oh yeah, you have to have a background check as well. And then you have to pay $1,250 for certification. When they just went and had a whole kind of deal about the grassroots slash AAU and how they didn't like how um, the AAU was charging these coaches and they wanted that to stop. And now they're going to do it to agents. The exact same setup. You know, coaches get charged by EYBL, Adidas, Under Armour, whatever, entry in, and you get packets and you get some, but you have to pay to to kind of check out the prospects. Now, the NCAA is, they said, that's bad. Don't do, we shouldn't be doing that. They, they're saying, okay, but now it's good to do that to agents. Don't do it to our coaches, but we're going to do it to the agents. Pretty ridiculous. Now, when you look at this <laughs> also, it's not like agents are just running wild and uh, NBA agents are just these completely uh, cowboys of the modern era just doing whatever they want. As I pointed out there, one of the qualifications is the agent has to be certified by the um, National Basketball Players Association. Yes, there's already a certification in place done by the NBA's Players Association. The NCAA is setting something up that is already set up. It makes no sense why they need to set another thing up that is already there. I, I don't get it. It makes no sense. And it's something that you should just piggyback off of what is already there. Just use the certification that the NBA already has in place. And then it's simple. All you got to do is, okay, is this guy certified? Okay, by the NBA PA? All right, we're good. You don't have to set up this whole system. You don't have to become a, a trending topic on Twitter and then have a couple critical things written about you and kind of uh, separate yourself from basketball again. Like I said, they did this with the grassroots. They've they've upset the grassroots. Now they're upsetting uh, the NBA. Why are you fighting other basketball? You should be working in conjunction if you truly want to make the sport more quote-unquote ethical and clean up things that you don't like. It kind of seems like the NCAA wants to do what they want to do. And also, I've, I've mentioned Dan Wetzel's column, as he points out, most of these restrictions are specific to basketball and football because those are rev revenue-generating sports. Hockey, you can get drafted and go play. NBA, you can't. You have to decide. In NFL, you have to decide. Why is it different? Let these guys play. If if you want to play college, if you want to play college sports, and you haven't taken money, play college sports. It doesn't matter if you're drafted or not. I, it's just uh, the NCAA. I I sometimes defend them, and I think that very very slowly they are getting better on some issues. But you just don't do well when you do this right here. Makes no sense. Coming up next, quick basketball recruiting nugget and somebody else in the SEC. Speaking of recruiting. Did some self-sanctions that didn't garner a ton of headlines. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. After Kyle and I recorded yesterday's podcast, there was some basketball recruiting news. Greg Brown, the five-star forward from Austin, Texas, 
announced his top five, which included Auburn, Memphis, North Carolina, Texas, and Kentucky. Kentucky was a bit of a surprise. Uh, Kyle and I were talking about Greg Brown, and it was a situation where we couldn't find where Kentucky had offered. No one had been reporting on that. Well, that changed today. David Sisk from Rivals said he got a hold of uh, Greg Brown's father, and he confirmed that uh, Greg Brown does have a, a Kentucky offer. It happened in July. It just wasn't made public. So that makes a lot of sense. Obviously, Kentucky's going to need some front court help. They could maybe use it this year. As we talked about, we're keeping an eye on Infale Dante to see what his ultimate decision is. Um, but this is this is a, a positive surprise for a lot of UK fans. Brown was an EYBL teammate of Cade Cunningham. Kentucky's done well in Texas at this point. I believe the way you kind of read things, Texas is probably the favorite. I think Memphis is also very heavily involved. Being a kid from Austin, there's going to be a ton of pool to stay local. So I don't I don't know where this will be going. It was kind of a surprise when, when he announced this. I, I think there was actually an earlier cut, and Kentucky didn't make it. So that's a, the rare when you cut from, I think he was at 10, 10 to 5, and then you add, <laughs> add another one to your top five. Uh, really big surprise. We'll be keeping an eye on that. And see who the next guy Kentucky adds to their 2020 recruiting class after BJ Boston and Cam Ron Fletcher. Mentioned that Auburn was in Mr. Brown's top five list. It was announced publicly today that Auburn had not been doing any recruiting from September of 2017 till April of 2018. There were no official visits, no unofficial visits, and no contact or phone calls made to any recruits during that time. I read in the the AL.com, this is where I'm getting this information from, story that Auburn didn't sign any freshmen to last year's class, and I had not double-checked their roster. But that makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. Obviously, they were in the midst of that FBI probe, and they were kind of waiting on some potential sanctions, and they had guys sitting out, including Austin Wiley. And so now, uh, that probably was was the reason why most people are like, okay, that makes sense. No one wants to go there now when their future's so up in the air. But now, it, it, it it's something that no one knew about. No one knew that Auburn took this eighth-month hiatus from recruiting. And you could probably make a point that maybe that kind of points to uh, how much the basketball team gets coverage. Can you imagine <laughs> if UK just stopped recruiting basketball players for eight months? People would be asking, like, well, wait a minute, why aren't we hearing from any recruits about getting contacted by the coaches? But it didn't hurt Bruce Pearl a ton, it looks like. He made the Final Four last year, which is a big goal. That's something you want to do. And now... He's coming back for this season. I want to see how they react this season, what they're able to do. But going forward, we've talked about B.J. Boston's teammate, Sharif Cooper, five-star point guard. He's probably going to end up at Auburn. I believe he's an Auburn lean. And that's a situation where the this recruiting scandal apparently didn't hurt him that much, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. And um, this this actually all stemmed from a podcast interview that Bruce Pearl did with, I believe, John Rothstein. 
second John Rothstein mentioned on the podcast, where he said that people didn't even know some of the sanctions that Auburn was under. And this was this was apparently one of the big ones. Um, but he further went on to talk about how they expect some more some more stuff coming their way. We don't know what it is. They feel like that they've done enough. And honestly, this is a that is a pretty big punishment on yourself. No visits, no contact, no phone calls. That's crazy. That puts them in a monster disadvantage, obviously. So we'll see what the NCAA ultimately decides. You know, this this case is still wide open. I believe only NC State has publicly said that they've received their notice of allegations, so we'll see if there's anybody else who gets one relatively soon. Um, finally, <laughs> I'll just shout out to another, another one of Kyle's colleagues at, at The Athletic. Josh Kendall was apparently on with Paul Feinbaum, and he had a quote that upset many UK football fans. The quote was, It's inexcusable for any team in the SEC to lose five straight games to Kentucky. <laughs> well, uh, you're not going to get uh, many sympathies from UK fans. Obviously, they really enjoy beating South Carolina. Often when... South Carolina's picked ahead of them and picked to win the game. But it was actually a quote tweet from a UK football player that drew my attention to this. It was TJ Carter who quote tweeted this, that quote, and said, clown. That's simple. That's to the point. (laughs) I like TJ Carter's kind of moment there. And I, I, I don't know the full context of the conversation. And he probably didn't mean it as big of a shot as it came out in that small quote. But still, I mean, it's still disrespect to UK football. And that's been a storyline all off-season long. Speaking of football, stay tuned to the next edition of the podcast. I plan on having some interviews with some football players after Thursday's practice. So you're not going to want to miss that. So subscribe. Hit subscribe to this podcast. Um, And also share it with somebody else who would enjoy it. You can share it on your social media. You can tweet it out. You can Facebook it. Post it on Instagram. You could wear a shirt that says, I love Locked On UK. Or you can follow us on social media at Locked On UK on Twitter and Instagram. Please follow Kyle and I at Kyle Tucker underscore ATH, and I am at Curtis Birch, B U R C H. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll talk to you soon. You are Locked On Kentucky, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. Represented.